Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul, uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Respect the audience, try to understand the audience, and also try to understand your medium. You know, and that I think is translatable to just being an architect even, you know, designing or talking to clients. I think to me, those are the things I try to think about a lot and have been forced to think about very specifically because of the medium of YouTube. But I'd also like to be able to import back to be an ambassador, you know, like, ambassador of architecture to the public, but then also an ambassador back to the discipline and to the profession uh, of some of those lessons. And I think those are the big ones that I'm that I'm working on right now and hopefully can be valuable for people to really think about as they're crafting their own, their own work. Welcome to Context and Clarity, the place where authors, experts, and thought leaders come to have engaged conversations with entrepreneurial architects just like you. I'm Jeff Eccles, and every Thursday afternoon on Context and Clarity Live, Catherine McPhail and I, and our live audiences that are joining us from all across the internet, have a conversation with a special guest to search for clarity around the things that matter most to you, the architect, no matter what your context is. In this episode, we talk with Stuart Hicks, architect, educator, and YouTube star. All right, our guest today is an architect, an educator, and I, you know, I'm going to say a YouTube star. He's a co-founder of the Practice Design with Company and an associate dean at the University of Illinois, Chicago. Go Flames. He and his team make videos about architecture because architecture is everywhere and can help us to understand how the world works. 
Stuart Hicks, welcome to Context and Clarity Live. Hello, thank you for having me. Good to oh, be it's, here. It's, uh, it's great to have you here. We've been talking all week about your YouTube channel. We've been talking all week about explaining architecture and storytelling. So, you know, I think the place to start it, and, and some of us are trying to figure it out. Right? So what are the stories we need to tell and things like that? But you're an architect, you're an educator, obviously, like I said at the very beginning. Why did you decide to start making videos? I saw what I thought was an opportunity. I had made videos as part of my practice to sell projects. And, you know, I was told when I was in grad school that I had given the worst presentation of a project that they had ever seen. But at the time, I wanted to be a teacher. And so I practiced really hard to try and get better at it. And I, I guess all of that kind of coalesced when I started making these videos for some projects. And then I saw this opportunity on YouTube. And or what I th saw was what I thought was a, an opportunity. I wanted to do it for about six months to a year. Uh, I had recorded a single video 20 times um, because I hated, I hated appearing on camera. I hated talking to the camera. I thought I was terrible at it. But then COVID hit and I had to go online and um, make lectures where I just had to do it. And when we did live stuff, I bought a green screen and did skits for the students. Uh, and at the end, they said, you should make you should make a YouTube channel. And I was like, you know, I needed that permission almost, I think, from them to say, you know, it's OK, <laughs> go ahead and start. And uh, finally, I was like, I'm going to put it out and um, I, uh, I know it's not good yet, but every week I'm going to try something technical uh, that I'm going to try to get better at. And I'm going to pair that with a topic. And so every week it's like, sometimes it's storytelling, sometimes it's audio, <laughs> sometimes it's uh, uh, lighting. Uh, my lighting is bad. But, um, you know, every time, uh, every time I try to do something a little bit uh, unique and, and learn as I make, uh, make a video. I love that you need permission from the, probably the, the TikTok generation. That's right. That's right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, would you watch this uh, middle-aged guy talking to you on YouTube or not? I, I think you're about 20 years younger than oh, who's middle-aged. I don't know. Let's all be middle-aged. Yeah, well, we, we, we can all be that age. <laughs> Where do you get your ideas from the, for the, the topics? Yeah, great question. So when I first started, I, um, I had lectures that I've been giving as part of being a teacher. And so I started by just kind of like segmenting those. But quickly learned that like a lecture is not the same as making a video. Like it's very, it's a different thing. And then learning the audience of like who's coming to watch these videos. YouTube gives you so much analytics that you're able to assess really right away. Like what are people responding to? What are they not? Like in the video, you can see where people step off when they come back. So being able to learn from that, trying to tailor it. So as far as where ideas come from, learning what the audience is uh, appreciating. Um, and then trying to tie together a few different things, like what's at my disposal for being able to tell a story? Am I, am I equipped to tell this story? Um, you know, do I have any special access that I can gain and, um, bring some insight to this topic? Um, and, you know, more and more, I start with a topic, like, can I make a good title and thumbnail first? Um, and then create a topic around that, because that really is an important like that packet, like how you package the topic is so important. It's almost more important than the topic itself, you know, like learning that stuff. So where do I get ideas? I've got a running list of uh, ideas. I'll see something and I'll put it in a note thing. You know, I saw the 
that pinup magazine is doing this one on Barbie uh, Barbie houses through the years. I was like, oh, that'd be a great idea. And then I'll reach out and see if I can make it happen, you know, just so it just kind of grows um, on what I want to learn about, who I want to, and like, can I bring something? I love that. James Petty, who's in New York. Yeah, he's he's uh, got a question. I was, I was going to ask a very similar question, but I think we ought to run with James's here. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it's changed. At first, I thought to myself, I want anybody to be able to watch it uh, or to want to watch it. I think now uh, that that answer to that question that I initially had, I think as it's grown, trying to be a little bit more specific, um, I think my videos now are probably for a general audience, but I don't want architects to, I, what I, say, I don't want architects to vomit if they see it. Like, I think that, um, you know, a lot of times when we, yeah, when we, when we as experts see things that are channeled toward the public, it can feel overly um, simplified, that sort of thing. And I really try to resist that. So I want architects to appreciate it. I don't think it's necessarily for architects, but I'm, I'm trying to bring that back. Like my next video I met this morning, I met with um, Getch Partners who has a tower that is an engineering feat here in Chicago. And it comes down on just it cantilevers off of its core. It's awesome. I imagine architects would want to will want to watch this video because I think I'll be able to get more insight into it than a typical um, you know magazine article even like talking to the designer talking to the to the engineer and my hope is that like through the channel's like sense of being able to say things plainly but also have access to experts and people who are really engaged in these things try to make it so maybe it bounces around a little more than it has. I think that's a really uh, important point because w one of the things we've talked about this week is why would architects, we, we, we've, we've generalized it and say, why would architects tell stories? You know, it doesn't have to be a YouTube channel. It could be a blog post. It could be, right, there's all kinds of mediums out there, but, but the idea of who, you know, why are you doing it? But then right on the heels of that has to be the who, right? So who are you telling these stories for? So if, if you were to put yourself in the shoes of, of uh, somebody in, in this community, which is, you know, as you heard, uh, Barry is in Scotland and I haven't been playing, paying close enough attention to see if, if Audrey popped in from Australia or others, you know, all over the world, small firm architects. Why, if, 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 if I'm not telling stories now, or if I'm not producing content now, however we want to, whatever we want to call it, why should I be telling stories? Why is it important for architects to tell stories? That's not a lens that I typically think of where I'm gaining the lessons from. So your, your question is a kind of new one for me. So I'll be speculating a little bit, but it seems like the primary times you're telling stories are one, maybe internally, as you're for formulating your own design concepts and things, you're telling a story to yourself. And how you craft a story to yourself, I think, is useful for knowing when you're making quali quality decisions and that sort of thing. Then it probably expands to talking about talking to clients and then as marketing, right? You know, I think firms that have a good story and where, you know, depending on where it comes from, has a, they have a good marketing a leg up on marketing. So I think that it's probably pretty intrinsic. And I don't know, one, one thing that resonated with me, I, I listened to um, Roman Mars, the guy who has uh, the 99% Invisible podcast. And he was talking about when he took the Chicago Riverboat tour, there was this building. He didn't think much of it. He didn't really like it all that much. 
But when the when the person explained that these giant corners on the building were because the CEO didn't want the anyone to have a corner office, that resonated with him and he started to appreciate the building. You know, like he didn't like it more, but he appreciated it. And I think the power of the building to have a story for people to connect with and understand, I think is uh, valuable for things we know, like marketing um, and talking to a client, but then also um, things we maybe don't quite yet know what the value would be. I love that idea. I've not heard that, that uh, Ruin Mars story, but it, you know, it's, yeah. it's like pulling back the veil, right? Yeah. You know, how many people have you run into that um, say, oh, what do you do? Well, I'm an architect. Oh, I, you know, when I was in high school or I always wanted to be an architect and my, my counselor told me I wasn't good at math or, you know, whatever the stories are, right? They took all the drafting classes, but they're still fascinated by, you know, what goes on, uh, you know, sort of the the, uh, the backstage pass is what I call it. It's like, how do, how do you guys design that office building or house or, you know, whatever it is that we're working on? Um, that, that's, a, that's a good story with Roman. What what have been some of your your favorite videos to do, and and what goes into? I mean, you you've talked about access, you know, and and looking for the you know the unique things that that you can access. Being in Chicago, I know a lot of the a lot of the uh, examples and things are are based in Chicago. But but um, but what have been some of your your favorites? The the current one is always the favorite, you know. So like <laughs> like my children. My favorite continues to be the one that I did about bricks. Um, I uh, went in, I talked to a brick expert uh, who gives tours on Chicago brick tour. And I went to him and said, hey, I wanna make a video with you. He, and he was like, great, great. And I was like, I have this weird idea where what if I come to you thinking that bricks are alive because of this quote by Louis Kahn that thinks that bricks can mm -hmm. talk. And the entire premise <laughs> of the video is you trying to convince me that no, no, they cannot talk. They don't, they're not sentient. And we will do your tour, but you're also kind of um, teaching me why bricks don't talk <laughs> or why they don't have to. And he was like, oh, I am so on board. Uh, I used to be in an improv uh, troupe. I <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> straight out of Second City. Yes. He was like, I was in theater. This is perfect for me. And I was like, great. I had, this was the first video I had ever filmed anybody else. Uh, it was for, I had to buy wireless mics to be able to work. It was a mess, but it was he was so funny. Like his dry delivery of like his, an exasperation with me of why bricks aren't <laughs> um, uh, alive, and then the the payoff at the end. I don't know. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, okay, you got to watch the end because uh, there's a good ending too. And I was dying laughing editing that video. I. Um, it was the first time I had to edit something that was like not written out for myself. Like it, it was a editing challenge. It presented a lot of challenges, a lot of fun. It was great having somebody on board and learning a lot uh, from, um, and it continues to be more. Everybody needs to go watch the uh, the brick video. Yeah, yeah. It's it. called uh, Bricks Are Smart, But Architects Don't Listen. Well, you'll have a little spike in that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, you know, you're you're obviously juggling a lot of things you're teaching, you've got to practice, uh, you're doing these videos, which, you know, I'm watching these videos. W one of the reasons I love live stream, and, and as you know, we do this every day, is that I'm not doing any prep work, right? I'm, I'm research definitely and, and things like that, but I, I'm not doing what you do. Uh, we're not doing what you do. 
So I know a lot goes into this. So how do you balance uh, all three and, and, you know, life and family and all those? And, and then how much, if any, alignment is between these three? Do they work for or with each other? And how long does it take to put one of those videos? I was wondering that as I was I think watching. About a, I think a video takes about 40, 45 hours or so um, each, I think. I haven't tallied it, so I might be scared if I did. At first, I was doing a video a week, but it was during COVID lockdown, and I had no uh, moment. I, I had no resting moment. I was working probably twelve hours a day, seven days a week, nonstop. Um, when I switched to one every other week, it feels a little more manageable. I have a week of pre pre planning, and then a week of post production. I do do it all myself. I edit everything. Everything. Uh, I, I've had, um, help with research. I've now have, a a, a student, uh, an intern or a, um, film student from, uh, a local school who will film when I, um, when I go out and, and uh, interviewing people and that's, that's a big help. So, um, but I do most of, most of it myself. Um, I have people I talk to and, and things like that conceiving with ideas, um, I did have a part-time person helping with the research, but for the last month, it hasn't been there. Um, the the process, yeah, like I, I, about 40 hours, start with trying to think of a, does it have, is it a good premise? Can I get, get it around? Can I, can I add anything? I usually, then I do research, then I write everything. Uh, if, even if I have an interview, I will rewrite the video prior um so and then that structures what questions i will ask in the interview and so that it can be kind of thumbed in or combed in to the video each uh video is about 2500 words to 3000 words um four pages non you know single t uh, single space and i i i guess i need the control of it like the live thing um makes me nervous uh it feels like the the anxiety of it is more than the value for me of like, okay, you know, yeah, just throw <laughs> caution to the wind. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe now, like, you know, now that I feel more comfortable on camera and that right. sort of thing, I, I might start doing maybe like live things on YouTube or something, but uh, that was very anxiety producing it at the outset. So uh, yeah, I write it all out, uh, do it all as I can. Um, it'd be nice to have an editor. I think that's probably next step. You know, I, it's not that I think I'm good as an editor. Uh, it's just more like I, I almost don't know if I would know how to communicate what I would want to someone else because it's only been internal. You know, like you do everything. It's like how how do, how do like how do I even work with someone on this? I don't even know. Like it's hard to conceive. Like so, even building that seems daunting. So I know it's a step, but I'm I'm pushing it off uh, probably longer than I should. Yeah. It probably won't be that hard for them to, after watching yeah. all of your yeah. material, yeah. understanding. You just need someone who can yeah. understand, yeah. can channel you. James wants to know if you film, I, you stock footage or if you I do. film all of B-roll. Yeah, so um, I do. I have access to Getty images and video and then Storyblocks and I have a Shutterstock uh, account. So I use all three of those. I've been more recently trying, so it's hard. So there's different kinds of parts of the video where it's like, it's hard to tell a story about something actually uh, because you, it's like, if I'm telling the story of how a building came to be, I don't have footage of that architect drawing the thing. I don't have stuff to fill it in. 
that's hard to do. And it's really unfulfilling to just like throw in stock footage of some random architect. Uh, so like what you can do with what's available is, is uh, they're channeled together very clearly. I most recently, one of the more technical problems I've been dealing with is trying to do 3d animations in there. Um, I known how to do it. It's just kind of like, can I get it into my workflow that that opens things up a lot because I can show sides of buildings that maybe I don't have B-roll for, or I can. And I also think on YouTube that plays well. It feels like you're getting information. I think like if, if a video is too laden with B-roll it, or stock footage, it feels like they just kind of cobbled this together like that. So I think things that feel more bespoke uh, are much better. And I'm trying to eliminate as much B-roll as possible but it's still a necessity. And, but I'm, I'm also trying to figure out how to write in a way that doesn't require B-roll. Uh, maybe it's about when I appear on screen and, and I just don't rely on, B or on, on other stuff. It's just me being animated versus what I, when I do have something on screen and trying to tailor that so that I don't need you know, the same amount of B-roll. Uh, so yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's something I think about and try to, try to eliminate as much as I can, but uh, it's also a, a valuable you're you're becoming a full-fledged movie producer at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking that if you just kind of came across doing this during the uh lockdown, you probably weren't thinking I'm going to learn how to edit, I'm going to learn how to do get these images and all the B-roll and blah blah blah. You didn't set out to be a filmmaker. It's fascinating. Like and it's so architectural. You know, like I've had to learn so much about lighting. I know much more. I mean, it doesn't show now because I'm off my setup. My setup is a Ferrari. And it's like, if anything is off, it's like the Ferrari breaks down. It needs an engine out overhaul. But, uh, you know, I know so much more about lighting, sound and the way it works. Like, it's fascinating. That's all spatial. Then there's editing, which is timing and and spatial. Like, it's all architectural when when I guess like everything, uh, everything's a nail to a hammer because I think that everything through the lens of architecture, I see it as architectural, but as far as like learning about it, yeah, it's like, I've, I'm amazed how counterintuitive a lot of it is. Um, like why you need to have a light pointing from behind you to like light your, like that makes no sense. Like, why do you need a light from behind? But you do. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's part of the process. So has this work, has the video work, informed your architecture good question probably i don't know how yet i don't know if i would know how to characterize it um i probably would rely less on jargon to make sure like i don't know maybe like less faith in some someone needing to have an architecture degree to understand what i'm trying to do i think might be part of the design process like can, is this understand like i would think that it's accessible i think I think that changes the way I design. Um, to be honest, I design a lot less right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you've got a full-time job so, making videos. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm also, uh, a, my associate dean role is a facilities role. So like the nitty gritty of getting facilities management stuff done, it's like the total opposite of, of things. It's, it's, it's interesting. So I might, I might also approach that differently because of the, right, right. <laughs> I, did make a, I did make a video about leaks that showed our architecture building leaking and uh, those leaks got fixed. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that worked. Yeah, that worked. Too. <laughs> that is to the trustees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there a business case for you, right? And every, everybody's situation is different, but, but with, with the, the UIC, with your, your work, 
your architecture work and with the videos, is there a business case for the videos? Uh, it makes money uh, on its own. Um, a lot of, yeah, and outside sponsors. Um, a lot of YouTubers, though, see YouTube as a way of channeling into a business something. Um, you know, so like Eric, the guy who's 30, 40, 30 by 40 workshop, and, you know, he sees YouTube as a way of like building a business. Um, for me, that's less important because I am a teacher and teaching is my business um, and that sort of thing. So I really like making videos like and I like teach. I started teaching right out of grad school. It was I loved doing it. And I see this, this as a way of elevating teaching. You know, when you're teaching at a university, the university doesn't care how much how good of a teacher you are. Like they care about, you know, research dollars and stuff. And so I'm trying to be like, look, okay, we're going to, we're going to elevate teaching. We're going to make this a thing. And I want, I want, you know, I want to be, I want the university to recognize that like this has value and that sort of thing. So that's me. That's my business. Uh, so I love video. I love architecture and video. I, if I, if there is an elevation, escalation of what I'm doing, I would think it would be about like moving to documentaries or other formats of continuing to make videos. I don't see this as like building a business of even like selling online course classes or anything. Like I, I, I teach all the time. I have no real interest in making online classes or something like that. So in answer, like, no, I, I think it is what it is for me at this stage. Maybe at another stage, it'll change. But for me, I like what it is. That's an interesting point too. Is we Eric was a guest on uh, one of our guests on Context and Clarity Live, maybe a year ago. A year ago, maybe. Yeah, that seems about right. And and you know, in talking with Eric, I forget what the number is, but something like 80 percent of his income is coming from passive income. From like you said, it's it's courses, it's it's affiliated, it's all these things, which is a different approach from from yours and eric makes fantastic videos as well but like you said they're different different purpose different outcome intended outcome there i mean if there is a similarity it's like i get my income from the university and you know this is uh seen as research you know engaging with the public so to me I, i'm just not that business oriented either like you know i'm an academic so uh I get a regular paycheck and like the roller coaster of YouTube and stuff. Like I, I would never be able to rely, like just to rely on the income would be scary. It'd be so scary. I, you know, like, I would, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I'm just thinking about putting it into practice and, and, you know, there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of architects. And what if we all did videos and would we think it's already been done or, you know, Stuart's already done that video. Do you think there's a room for all of us to make videos about what we're interested in? For sure. I mean, YouTube, works well when there's a personal, when it's sort of personal. So if you're making something and you have a passion about the thing you're making and you won't think that a YouTube video or whatever, it would be a good uh, venue for exploring that by all means. Like I, I don't, you know, so related to your question, I doubt a hundred thousand architects want to be YouTube, but there I think is a real intelligence in thinking about the different media that one can be able to engage like YouTube and understand, I, I have a theory about like how space is presented on YouTube. Like I think YouTube as a medium for talking about space is very particular. It's about stories. Um, like if you watch the really popular video videos on, on space, it would be like architectural digest home tours. 
And like those I think are popular because here's someone who's telling you why this thing is has a story. Like why why I picked this house because it has a history and I like this vase because my mom gave it to me and people eat that stuff up. And I think so I think YouTube if like if you're thinking about putting a video on YouTube and you want to talk about your work, understand that YouTube is a medium of, about telling stories and that um you know, it's not just about the visual walkthrough, for instance, like that won't play on you. No one will watch that really on YouTube. Like pretty visuals are a very, like that only gets you so far. Um, and I think one other thing that I've learned is if you're relying on people to come to the video, because you're saying that this is architecture and you're, and you're saying like you are, you're trying to present this as if you should watch this or like this because it's architecture that's not a good approach because I don't think a lot of people just intrinsically like something because it's been called architecture. Like that isn't a, uh, like you've got to, I think, tell the story, talk about why people should care about this. And just because it's architecture, isn't the reason that's the reason I care. Like I, that's, that's what's I think interesting is like, I want to promote architecture. Like that's what I care about, but it's not a good reason for a video to exist. Um, so I think that that kind of recalibration of like thinking about your audience not relying on, well, this is architecture, so you should find this interesting. Like there, I think there's layers to how one might make a video on their own work and it playing well on YouTube. That doesn't mean, you know, thinking through the algorithm of YouTube is the only reason why you'd want to put your own video on YouTube. But if you do want to have it be a thing, I think that that's, there's value in thinking through the medium and what biases this medium has. As you were talking about that, it reminded me of the study, and I don't remember the specifics of it anymore, but it was the the group that went out and they bought a bunch of, they went to yard sales or something, bought a bunch of trinkets and then listed them on eBay and they listed them once. And, you know, here's, I, I used this example the other day, I just made it up like the, here's, here's the jade elephant, you know, it's, it's three inches by five inches and it, you know, we're listing it at $20 or something. And then they, they went back and they listed it. And, you know, here's this jade elephant that my great grandfather picked up in India during World War One. And, you know, and, and, and <laughs> there's another Seinfeld tie in here. But I forget what the numbers were. It was it was exp they, they sold at an exponentially higher dollar amount when there was that story attached, when someone could could visualize and, 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 you know, attach, create an emotional attachment. And there's, there's tons of research out there too, on how we value products and services when we can make an emotional attachment to that, which is a, you know, something that architects really need to listen to, you know, when we talk, we start, start talking about the, the value of an architect. Right. And so I, you know, when you're talking about that, it's like, that's, that's, related in a way to to that study certainly uh hey there's adam adam's got a great question great to have you here adam any advice for someone that's just starting their career and teaching architecture he's that's a great question i think when i started teaching i i think the thing that i learned as it as i uh have taught longer is how to listen to the students and meet them where they are and prod them towards certain uh, areas of knowledge and things like that without having it feel like you're too heavy handedly saying, no, they're wrong, you know, should be doing this uh, and that sort of thing. I think when I first started teaching, I probably had a real wall up. It was like, 
know I'm right, you know, listen to me. But I was really young too. So I was 26 or something when I started teaching. So I wasn't much older than them, but I felt like I had to establish my authority. And I, I, I regret that maybe I had to do it because I was so young, but like now, you know, treating the students with a lot of respect, listening to what they're saying, even if their ideas, like even if you've seen it before and you think it go go a different way, trying to give them advice in a way that um, empowers them uh, rather than tries to shut them down and, and reassert your own thoughts. I think that that's the biggest uh, advice is try to empower it. Like the the rhetoric of like you got to break them down and then like that you know that's such an outmoded idea and no one would do that these days, but you know like it's so um, you know some of my old teachers that I had when they were old you know it was a different time and they thought it was about breaking you and then uh, building you back up and I you know I just don't vibe with that so I think that's my biggest advice it's it's not a prescription of how to do it because I think how to do it is very difficult but I also think it's unique each person and each teacher how they approach that but that's the delicate balance i think that i try to strike and i think i fell on one side maybe um for certain reasons and i i'm happy that, that i hope that that's mo- i've moved on from there yeah it's no fun to get broken down yeah right that's true well there's another question about my favorite youtuber that i look up to the most and that's an interesting one i love tom scott uh, if you are familiar with him he is a british youtuber who does he is the master of the walk and talk. He can walk and talk and and segue into a topic in a way that is so good. And it's hard to understand how or why he's so good unless you've tried it, because it's hard. And the, just watching him, he's a master. It's so good. And he, so he does some architecture every once in a while. Um, but his videos are six or seven minutes long. They're really narrative based but they feel like there's no fat on it. It's, it's boom, you're in, you're out, but it's fascinating. And I think I, if I, he's my favorite to look and try to study. And I have watched, I've watched everything he said about like how he does it. Um, like he wears an earpiece sometimes. Like I get into the nitty gritty of like the how. Uh, and there's another one today that I watched, Climate Town, uh, who's really good. And it's all about climate science and stuff. And he has a video style too, that it's like, I can't figure out how he does it. Like. And it's like, does he, how does he write it? How does he deliver it? Like there's a mechanics to it that I think is really fascinating. So I'm, I'm going to study him. We're right up against the top of the hour, which is pretty amazing how quickly this has gone. This has been been a lot of fun. As you think about everybody uh, that's in the audience right now and everybody that's going to watch this, you know, at some point down the road, uh, what advice do you have for an architect? And And again, for everybody that's out there, uh, we're talking about YouTube because that is definitely Stuart's world. I mean, go over to his YouTube channel, Stuart Hicks. Uh, great, great uh, videos there. I don't, I don't even know how many. There's a lot of videos there. In the '90s, I think. '90s, yeah, and and everything from. I think there's a little bit of a, a dose of humor here and there in all of them, but but some pur- purposefully humorous topics all the way through you know, some, some, uh, famous architects of the past and, and, uh, linear cities and everything and toilets and everything else in between. That is definitely Stuart's world. And it's, it, what he's doing is awesome. That doesn't have to be you, right? This could be a blog or it could be TikTok or Instagram or whatever. Right. But podcast. Yeah. That's a great point. W- what advice do you have for people that are saying, I, you know, there's some, there's something that I need to get out. Where's that thought process start 
you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a strategy level or something else, but, but, uh, or maybe it's just start. I don't know. What do you think? What's your advice? Respect the audience, try to understand the audience and also try to understand your medium. I think that those are my pieces of advice. I think, you know, and that I think is translatable to just being an architect, even, you know, designing or talking to clients. I think to me, those are the things I try to think about a lot and have been forced to think about very specifically because of the medium of YouTube. But I'd also like to be able to import back to be an ambassador, you know, like ambassador of architecture to the public, but then also an ambassador back to the discipline and to the profession uh, of some of those lessons. And I think those are the big ones that I'm, that I'm working on right now and hopefully can um, be valuable for people to really think about as they're crafting their own, their own work. That's great advice. And it's important. I mean, we, you know, we've talked about strategy a little bit this week and I think, you know, what you just said fits, fits right there um, in there. So thank you for that. And uh, again, this is, this is another one of those, I say this quite a bit, but I, I would love to spend another hour or two talking about this. We'll have to have you back at some point and uh, pick the conversation back up. And uh, as always, for everybody out there, again, thank you. If you missed it at the beginning, this is our two-year anniversary of uh, Context and Clarity Live, which I did not realize until Catherine brought it up when we were backstage. So thank you to all of you for two years, right? I say this every week, but if it weren't for you, we wouldn't be having this conversation with Stuart right now, right? We wouldn't be 94, I think, Context and Clarity Lives in, two years in at this point. So thank you to all of you for this. As always, please be well, stay safe, keep those around you safe and well. Find a little bit of time to breathe and relax. We need that. Find a way to rejuvenate. You've got to pace yourself when you do this every single day. So thanks for going along this journey with us. And uh, again, Stuart, thank you very much for this. Keep up the great work on the videos. I'm always ready for the next one. Catherine, as always, thanks for co-hosting this with me. My pleasure. And we'll see everybody again next week. Well, what do you think? Did you hear something in this conversation that you can use, maybe in your practice or even in your life? If the topic of this conversation is of particular interest to you, every week in the Entree Architect Network, I host the Context and Clarity Classroom. It's our weekly opportunity to take what we've learned from our special guests and put those lessons into action in your life and in your work. Find the Context and Clarity Classroom exclusively inside the Entree Architect Network at network.entrearchitect.com. And if you were so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to YouTube. Find the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity Live episodes. You can also have the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week. Just give us a rating and subscribe wherever you're listening right now. Your likes and your ratings and your shares all help us help other entrepreneur architects like you. And together, they help us build the largest worldwide community of small firm architects. And if you love content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment. And it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know that you're going to find something there that interests you. You can learn more at GableMedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-Media.com. So thanks for listening. 
I hope this conversation has inspired you to think about how you can build your business into something that allows you to practice the way that you want to practice.
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.